Well, this morning we're going to be continuing a series that I started a uh, couple weeks back that I'm just simply calling You Said, where we're exploring some of the words of Jesus, some of the words in Scripture. Now, I know that if we were to take uh, time exploring Scripture and trying to explore everything that Jesus said, we could spend the whole year doing just that. But there is something about Jesus' words that are so impactful. And, and I've kind of been doing a little bit the same way with a different spin on Wednesday nights. I know some of you have been watching Wednesday nights. I've just been doing a little devotion for my back patio sitting out there when the weather's been nice and just kind of having an online little uh, deal in place of our normal Wednesday night service. And I've been there have been dealing with the statements of Jesus that we call, that I call, Jesus' upside-down statements, in other words, statements that go against the grain and the flow of our society. For instance, Jesus said, in, in a sense, that the first shall be last. In other words, if you want to be first, if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the servant of all. Jesus also talked about that, that we need to give to receive. That when we give, we will receive blessed that pressed down, shaking together, and running over. And so Jesus does those things. And so there's obviously, like I said, no way we could go through all the statements. This week, I kind of want to take a step backwards. Kind of go back to the beginning. And what I mean by that is, you know, how many know that, that many times you'll be watching a show or there'll be a series of movies and, and they lay out a, a story and at some point they decide, hey, you know what, we need to expand a little bit on the beginning, so we're going to do what we call a prequel, and they back up. And so today's sermon is kind of going to be a prequel. But I will tell you this, that as I begin to think through this this week and I sit down to put the thoughts all together, it was incredible to see that, have you ever had those moments that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts speaking and you're, and you know, I'm not the fastest typer in the world anyway, but my fingers couldn't keep up with what was being downloaded, so to speak, in my mind and my heart. So I, I've just been kind of one of those, like, I can't wait to deliver this message today. And so, as we look at it, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, kind of backing up to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It says this, And Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. What a statement. Come follow me. Now it's, I mean, you know that it's easy for us to blow right past that. It's easy for us to read that and say, and get on to him calling of the disciples. But those, those three words, come follow me, are actually the words that every single believer at some point, at some level, whether they were spoken or in our spiritual witness in our hearts, confirm that Jesus was calling out to us and saying, come follow me. If you're a believer, that means you said yes to come follow me. Maybe you, you heard that call through the word being preached. Somebody preached a message. And there was that stirring of the Holy Spirit that says, I'm talking to you. Maybe it wasn't 
a sermon per se, but maybe somebody's life preached the message for you. And you saw what God was doing in their lives and you saw their example and they came along and they crossed your path right at the right time when you were asking the right questions and something they said, something about their witness, you in your spirit heard those words, come, follow me. Or maybe it wasn't even that. Maybe you were just listening, you were reading the word of God or you were listening to some, some song on, on that, that was being played and something in that spoke to your heart. I have, a, I have a friend that was literally away from God and was driving down the road and happened to hear a song. There was a song that this individual had listened to in their past and all of a sudden that song got a hold of them and they pulled over their vehicle with tears running down their face and responded to the call to come follow me. Now, I don't know, but probably every room, every believer in this room, every single person here that has asked Christ in their life could probably tell you exactly when and how that happened for them. I don't know about you, I can tell you for sure exactly when the Holy Spirit came and spoke to me and very clearly I saw a fork in the road in the way I was living my life and he said, it's time to decide. Choose this day whom you will serve. At that point in my life, even though I've been raised in this thing my whole life, that was the point in my life that I made the decisions like, you know what, there is nothing this world offers that is worth me rejecting that call. So I followed. You know, when you have an encounter like that, you just don't forget it. There is something about that that sticks with you. That is the moment you can kind of go back to, even when you begin to doubt, even when things begin to happen, you can go back and say, in this moment, at that place in time, I know that I had an encounter with the living God and my life was transformed. So, but what does it mean to be a true follower of Jesus? When he says, come, follow me, what does that follow me mean? I want you to hear me this morning. There are plenty who desire salvation. There are plenty who desire a get out of hell free card. There are many that they really they really want God's grace. They want the slate wiped clean. They want all that comes with that. But there are many that that is the point that they want to stop. And my question that I'm laying out this morning, and I want you to get and understand, is I want us to examine our hearts. Are we trying to stop there? Are we truly wanting to say in our hearts that we will follow him? Because to follow means you go where somebody is leading. So come, follow me. You know, we love those things, but a truly, here's what I want you to get, a truly grateful heart changes their behavior to show the sacrifice of the person that provided for them was not in vain. There is something about that. We all daily need his grace. I am not anti-grace, but I will say this. I think sometimes grace has been so over-preached that we get caught up with that idea that we don't realize that sin is still sin. 
And there still is consequences for sin. You know, we need his grace daily, but we should not ever become that spoiled heir. How many times uh, or do you, you see some movie or some show that, that shows some, so either some royalty or some rich family, and there's always that one heir that thinks they're, that, they're, that somehow they deserve the grace that has been given to them. And they, and they, they live their life as a, this spoiled life. And they're always messing everything up. And they just think that they can go on being like that because, they're, because of who they belong to, what family, whose blood they have in them, that they can live their life how they wish. But I'm here to tell you this morning that being a true disciple, a true Christian, a true Christ follower, is much more than just walking in his grace. It's much more than just coming to church. And we should never treat his grace so cheaply as to think that we can live our lives as we desire. And this call that I'm talking about, this come follow me, is not just a New Testament thing. We read the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 8, it says, he says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. The point I want you to make this morning is whether it's who will go for us, who can I send, or come follow me, the call is still the same. It's a call to follow. It's a call to be what he desires for us to be. In the Old Testament, yes, it was whom shall I send. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, come, follow me. The bottom line is when Jesus, the God has from the very beginning been calling people out. From the very time man first fell in the garden, God has been calling people out to follow him. He's been calling people out to be a part of his kingdom and help advance his work and his gospel. The truth is, though, far too many respond to, here am I, send me. Actually, far too often, the response is, here am I, send them. We always want to point to somebody else to go and do the thing. There are things, and you know, I can't tell you, and I don't want to get on this too much, but I can't tell you how many times I will get a message or a call. Somebody needs to do this ministry in the church. Hey, you've got the burden for that. You want to, oh, and they start backing up. We, we kind of are a little bit eat up with that, here am I, send them attitude. And the point is that we should respond with, here am I, send me. You know, I just... Boy, I'm going to get myself in so much trouble today. But there is there's so much. I'm telling you, there is something when God makes that call and you finally respond and you finally say, you know what? I will do it. I will follow. Does that mean the road is smooth? No, it does not mean the road is smooth. And we'll get more into that later. 
But it does mean that you're walking in favor. And even in the midst of the battle, even in the midst of everything that comes with saying yes to follow him in that call, you will never be in a safer and better place than when you say yes to the call of Jesus. Andrew, Peter, James, and John all answered the call and they followed and they became a part of something that will last for eternity. You know, last Wednesday night, if you watched the little devotion that I shared online, we, we got to talking about the rich young ruler in Matthew, Matthew 19. We were talking about giving, it shall be given to you. And, and here's a guy that came along and he asked the right questions. He went to the right person and he asked the right question. Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? And scripture declares, it says that Jesus loved him. When he told him, laid out the list, he said, oh, I've done those things since the time I was born. And Jesus said, there's only one thing that you lack. Go sell your possessions and come and follow me. And then we see in this story, can you imagine just the internal check that was going on? It's the same internal check that we do when God tells, when Christ calls us to follow him. We look at things and we have that moment of decision. Can I let go of this? Or do I value this more than I value that call? And we see in that story, in that moment, that he decided what was being asked of him was too much. And scripture says he walked away very sad you know what I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way or not we don't know his name but had he responded to follow Jesus completely I say there's a really good chance we would have known his name and there would have been deeds that he had done and there would have been things that would happen in his life. I, I, I don't know about all the details. We don't know much more about him, but I do know this. Today, he is regretting that decision. But too many times, what do we do? Too many times we receive the same call today. Come, follow me. And we're just as short-sighted as he is. The sad thing is, we call saying no to the call being practical. Oh, I'm just, I'm just being practical. What, what, that thing that's being taught, that's, that's just not practical. I can't do that. But I'm telling you today, the call is real. We need to walk in it. So let's talk about the calling f- for a moment. Anytime we receive a call from God, it is a momentous occasion. The fact that God would even call on us and ask us to do anything is incredible. Because as cool as we are, and I I love most everybody in this room, and if I don't love you, it's just because I don't really know you yet. 
But the point being is this, is, is, as much as we love, you know what, it's incredible though that, that there's this, this desire that we have that we need to understand that if he calls us as messed up as we are, because as much as I love everybody here, as much as I love myself, as much as I love my wife, as much as I love my family, we're all messed up on some level. We all fall short on some level. But there is something about the fact that he would call us, that he would choose us. Scripture talks about jars of clay and things that are of noble use. And I always picture it this way. God's stepping into the place where all the vessels are lined up on shelves. And he has a job that needs to be done. And he looks around and says, I'm going to use this one. Even though it's an earthen vessel. The fact that he would lay his fingers on us and call us to do anything for him. It ought to be an incredible moment. We ought to celebrate it. He said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The first thing I, I want to explain to you this morning is that God, I want you to get this, is that, is that this, there's a call to salvation, but God calls all believers, not just a select few. His desire is to save everyone. He came for God so loved the world. He didn't come to save the planet. He came to save all the people on the planet. His call for them to be fishers of men is for everyone at some level. 2 Peter 3.9, you know it, but it says this, the Lord is not... Slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Our first call is the salvation from sin, not salvation in sin. There's a difference. Sin is still sin, and sin still kills. You know, we live in a day and time, if you call anything sin, you're accused of of using hate speech. A few years back, I had a situation where there was a life issue in a young man. And I very lovingly, that is the way I approach things. Unless the Holy Spirit directly speaks to me to really be super harsh and direct, my first response is always to be as loving as I possibly can. But I met with this young man and I pointed out the things in his life that were pulling him in the wrong direction. His mom and his sister got word of it and had a meeting with the sister, later had a discussion with the mom and was accused of Teaching hate. And I remember looking at them. I said, you tell me which one is love and which one is hate. If you see somebody heading 
to fall off a cliff and you know the bridge is out, is it love to keep patting them on the back and say, you're headed in the right direction. It's okay. You know, this is just your choice. You just keep going. We love you. Or is it love to stop and stand in front of them and say, whoa, stop. You're headed in the wrong direction. You're headed for disaster. Not in an angry, mean way, but in a loving way. Sin is still sin. Sin still kills. But there are those that want to treat God's grace, as I said, like this, like it's this thing that that they can just, once they say a little prayer, they can live their lives however they desire to live their lives. And I just don't find that as scriptural. Paul himself, Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? In other words, he's saying, how could you? I think we need to have a little bit more of that how could you in us. That at the grace that was provided for us at a high cost to Christ himself, that he is still bearing the, car, the, the scars of that sacrifice on our behalf, that we would, because of the price that was paid for us, that we would try to show our gratitude by, by thinking that somehow that we can just live our life and, and, and still mess with the things that he saved us from? I mean, I love the idea of having the slate wiped clean. But something is wrong if once that slate is wiped clean, if we're constantly going back and getting back in the same stuff and finding ourselves in the same situation. It's like if you accumulate a lot of debt and somebody comes along and by their grace, they just completely bail you out. They pay everything off. And you think that, hey, that was pretty cool. I'm going to go back and do that again. How could you? The key is simply to answer the call and begin doing what you can on this earth by trusting him and letting him take care of the rest. When there is a call, he has a plan for us. You were bought with a price. You are now his. So we need to remember two things. When he calls you to do something, When you ask him in and he comes into your life and you respond to that call and you're now saved and you're clean, there is still things. When he talks about following him, there are still things that he desires for you to do. There still is a price to follow. We'll get more into that later. But you need to know this. When he calls you, you were made to do the thing he's asking you to do. It is natural when he calls you to step into something to never feel good enough or worthy. It is so easy. I'll tell you this. I am more concerned about the person that thinks they deserve to be in some position than I am about the one that approaches it with a humble heart and a humble attitude say, I don't know, I don't feel worthy, but God is calling me to do this. That's the person I'd rather have step into a role than the person that's saying, oh, I'm God's gift to this thing. 
For me, that's alarm bells. Whoop, 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 sirens. The key is to trust him enough to answer the call. He called you because he knew, he knows how to use you. He created you. He formed you. You may not think that you would know how to do it. You may not think that, I don't know how I would speak or witness my family. I don't know how it would affect my coworkers. I don't know how I would step into anything that he's called me to do. But the truth is, is that he knows the gifts that you have. He knows what was planted in you. He knows what was formed in you. And if you're missing something, all he has to do is speak the word to make it happen. Kind of like Moses. Oh, but I, I am not, I'm not good at speech. I stummer, stummer, and I stammer, and, I, blah, 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 and it, you know, all that stuff. And I love God's response. Who made your mouth? When he calls you to do something, it will, it will match what you were created to be. If you're going to write anything down, write this down. When he calls you, he's got the how. All he needs is the who, and that who is you. He does. So let's look, let's move on. Let's talk about the challenge because you know what? When he calls to do something, it's not going to be a cakewalk. But we need to make sure that we don't fear the call. I think too many people fear the call. There's a big difference between our vocation and our job and a calling. Man, if you can reach that moment that your vocation, your job, and your calling align, man, it's, it's incredible. doesn't mean it's not challenging. But it's so rewarding. But there are those that, that, that we'll get more into that. But, you know, answering the call for Jesus is a life-changing event. Oh, there's, there's ways that, that following him will be a challenge. It is a challenge. Because what are you doing? You're going against the flow. All of a sudden, when you're following his call and you're following his lead, you're like the salmon swimming upstream. The flow's going the other way. Or you might say, going up the down escalator. You're going against the flow. People look at you funny. And the enemy will challenge you. Friends will challenge you. I hate to say this, but even Christians will challenge you. Because if God's calling you something, it may not look like their cookie cutter thinks it ought to look. Anything new that God started, anything that, that is groundbreaking, anything that is, that is usually anointed with God, if you look at it all through church history, God called somebody and there was heavy duty opposition when they stepped into it. So just because people will look at you and say, and that won't work. doesn't mean that you're not hearing the call. A lot of you know that our background for years was in children's ministry. I'll never forget when I really started feeling that call that God was saying, this is what I want you to do full time. And I went to a family friend that was actually a minister. 
And this is the advice I got from a Christian. Well, one of these days you will learn that there's your calling and there's what you do to feed your family. Talk about sucking the wind out of my sails. But then I went back and I prayed and I felt that confirmation. Don't listen to that. Listen to what I called you to do. It wasn't long before that was our full-time deal. And God blessed it, and it grew. And the next thing I know, we were speaking at other churches. We were doing district camps with 600 kids in the audience. I mean, God just blossomed that thing because it was what he called me to do at that season of my life. Even though there was people that thought that was impossible. I would dare say, if you're not being challenged, then you're probably not following God's call. Hebrews 13.6 says this, so we can say, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Sometimes it takes a little bit of that attitude. Because there will be people that don't understand. Following call, his call many times doesn't make logical sense. You can't measure it out. Jesus called several of these disciples that we were talking about while they were working their livelihood. They were tending their nets. They were doing what they needed to do, providing, provide for their family. And Jesus comes along and he says, no longer be fishermen, you'll be fisher of men. Now, I don't read anywhere they said, well, how's that going to work? Does that mean we're going to catch people and sell them into slavery? I don't see anywhere that they, that they asked him, you know, well, now if we're going to be doing this traveling, you mentioned something about that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What are the accommodations going to be out while we're out doing this? Are there any benefits? How many days off do I get a year? What's the retirement like? Is there health insurance? No, it says that they dropped their nets and they followed him. Something must have stirred their hearts. There must have been something, some kind of an inner witness that said, this is what they, I'm being called to do. And they dropped their nets and they followed. The question is this, are you even open enough to let him stir your heart? Are you so closed that any time you start feeling that tugging at your heart, any time you start feeling that come follow me, that you begin to shut down and put up the walls. It's a dangerous place to be. You know, God did not, and God usually does not, tell us everything about the call when he calls. He didn't tell them, oh, by the way, you're going to be persecuted. Oh, by the way, I'm going to leave you before you think it's time and it's all going to be in your hands. And man, you're going to be mistreated. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be persecuted. 
He didn't give them all the details. He just said, come, follow me. You know what the number one reason I think is? It would probably scare us off. Told the story a couple of times, but there's a lot of people probably that haven't heard it. My, my first encounter was when my senior pastor at the time, when I was a young man, just, you know, 20, 21 years old, came to me with a junior boy Sunday school book in his hand and said, we need somebody that these kids can look up to to teach this class. And he held out the book. I, looking back on it, that was kind of the first step in the calling. That was kind of the first step in come follow me. And I took the book. But if he'd have said, take that book, and someday you're going to be pastoring a church, I would have done what everybody else would say. I'll pray about it. (laughs) Or I don't have time. Or the one, don't ever say this to me. I've done my time. I don't find that anywhere in Scripture. He didn't tell me all this. He did it a step at a time. I started teaching a Sunday school class. Then we found out the person that was doing the children's ministry in that church was was a one-man show because nobody was volunteering to help. And we had gotten married at that point. And and we said, you know what? Somebody needs to help this guy out. We can go to church on Wednesday nights. Let's step in and help him. And step by step, God led our path as we followed him and brought us to the place where we are today. Was it smooth? Nope. Sometimes it was tough. But he was faithful. He was faithful. And I wouldn't trade this journey for anything. See, he usually just gives us a step at a time. And it's just our job to trust and take that first step with him. And then take the step after that. And trust that he knows where he's leading us and he will provide the way. Kind of like Abraham in Genesis 12. I love this story. God tells Abraham, go, follow me. I'll lead you. He goes back and he tells his family, God has called us to go. Where are we going? I don't know. He said he'd tell us when we get there. Which way? I don't know. But somehow, God led him there and he knew when he arrived. Here's the news flash for you. God hasn't changed. Steps of faith are still huge with him. He may be calling some of you to do something that, that you're, you're waiting for all the answers to line up. You're adding for the step-by-step. You're, you're waiting for the how he's going to pay for it and how this is going to happen and all those things. And if you wait for those things, you will sit there and you will never take that first step. Our job is just to follow and trust. If you have that deep calling, step out. Obey that still small voice. 
Because he's calling you to be a light to those around you and to make a difference. Never, ever, ever underestimate your value in the kingdom. There's a huge reward for those, you know, and sometimes maybe part of your primate, now let, let me hear it. We're not all called to full-time ministry. There are those that part of their calling is to support those. I know people that God has blessed financially and, and through that they're just as free as they can be with giving and, and funding missions and, and organizations and things and, and that's and yes, we're all called to witness. You're all we're all called to be a part of those things. There's not a single one of us that aren't called to share this gospel in some fashion. But some people, their calling is to be that resource that God uses to help supply other ministries. Some people, their calling is to undergird other ministries in prayer. You know, there's a huge reward for those that support ministries. There's a huge reward for us. And really, in, in all honesty, we all should be doing all of it at some level. But if you're faithful to your calling, you will be rewarded. And it all begins with those small first steps, but taking that first step is the challenge. You know, I do guarantee this. If you say yes to the call, you will not regret it. There may be moments you ask, you ask why? God, why did you call me to this? but ultimately you will not regret it. You know when the regrets come? When we fail to answer the call. Like I said, that rich young ruler, I'm sure, is still regretting his decision to walk away that day. Let's look at the command. I use the word command because it's not optional. Jesus didn't say, hey guys, I'm kind of new around here. Would you like to come follow me? Please? I'll make it worth your while. No. He said, come, follow me. It's a command. It's still a command for us. Following Jesus is not optional. Now you can reject it, but you do so at your own peril. It's not really an option. This morning I want to encourage you to follow Jesus, but actually there really isn't a choice. It's a command. The King of kings and the Lord of lords has declared, come follow me. Matthew 22 37 and 38, and he said to them, you shall, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. You know the story. Person comes to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment of all? He tells them. And he tells them the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And that basically somehow if we can get those two right, that all the rest of the commandments line up by themselves. 
Can I say this? If you really love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, you won't say no to the call. You won't. You know, we, we will obey because we understand the authority behind what he commands. We could be sitting here this morning and suddenly somebody could burst into the back door and in a loud command, everybody out of the room right now. And the first thing we would do is we would look at them and say, do they have the authority to command us to do that? If it was an escaped toddler from the children's department, we would probably ignore that command. But if it was somebody busting through the door that had on a uniform and a badge that said Rockwall Fire Department, we wouldn't hesitate. We would be out the door in a hurry. But yet, the King of Kings the Lord of lords, the one who left heaven, the one who bore the scars on his back, the one that, while he was here, showed that he had authority over the wind and the waves, showed he had authority over sickness, showed that he had authority over death, showed that he had authority to declare us free and pay the price for us. And yet sometimes when he commands, we say, I'll think about it. What's there to think about? The sample prayer that he gave us when the disciples asked, asked him how they pray, he, says, he said to pray that, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the difference there? In heaven, when he speaks, there is no debate. On earth, when he speaks, we want to pick it to death. There should be something about immediate compliance when he calls us to do something. That somehow we think we have the right to say no. Which leads me to my last one. The caution of the cost. How much? How much does it cost to follow him? See, when we get that calling, we don't need to let the cares of this world detour us. We should just immediately say yes. Kind of like Samuel. Samuel, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. But somewhere along the way, we get bogged down in life and in this world. Hebrews 12.1 warns us about that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in sin which clings so closely or entangles us as some uh, translations say, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The race marked out for us. I love that we have an individual God, that he calls us on an individual level. And that there is a path he has marked out for us. But there are so many things in this life that can get us sidetracked. And the enemy is so great at using those. There's sins that hold us back. 
The things that we never quite throw off and, and let go of are things that maybe we, we did throw them aside for a season, but we find ourselves going back to them. There are other things that perhaps aren't sin, but become that because we, we, we put that first in our lives over him and his call. I've talked to many, many people over the years that they can tell you of a life-calling event. But other desires, fear of the unknown, and somehow they just never actually worked towards the call. And there reaches a point where it's almost too late I have seen, I'm trying to be careful how I say this, I have seen some of the most bitter believers on the planet and when you get to know them and you find out things that happen in their life, you can trace it back to where at some point there was a call that they said no to. There's one board member that was at a church years ago that we were part of, that gave the pastor fits, was just constantly this thorn in his side. Nothing was ever right. And I found out later that he was one of the ones that had a call in his life. He was supposed to be a pastor. But to him, making money was more important. And he never said yes to the call and as a result, he was just, he, he wanted both. He wanted to run the church. See what I'm saying? Is that we need to be careful. Don't be that person that when he calls, that somehow we bypass that call. Sometimes it's just the cost of the call. You know, let me tell you how much it costs. I said I would do that. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told the disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. <clears throat> yes, it's expensive. But think about this, though. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and all of them, they left very physical labor that they were very good at to become fishers of men, that they had no clue what that was. It was way outside their comfort zone. I'm sure it stretched them many, many times. And somehow along the way, we have bought the lie that if something is outside of our comfort zone, you know, God is in the stretching business. You get comfortable, hold on. Another stretching is coming. He does that. There are all kinds of things that I do today that would have scared me after death in the past. But, I, but, but over time, I've become very comfortable in those things because I've allowed him to stretch me. Now, that doesn't mean that when, he, when the next stretching comes along that I don't complain a little bit. We all do that, right? So why are we surprised when we discover that, that the call is outside of our comfort zone? That's what he does. Crosses are meant to be uncomfortable. 
fact, the cross was torture. But the reward was the winning of the world. Ours will probably be less, much less difficult than that. But, we, but if we follow him, if we do what we're called to do, it will lead to more souls. Let me tell you this. The reward always exceeds the level of sacrifice. Always. Matthew 19, 29, then we're going to move to close. And anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Is the reward worth it? Absolutely. Answering the call should bring us out of our comfort zone. And the truth is, many of us are very, very comfortable. We like coming in and sitting down and partaking, but is that the way it's supposed to be? We need to answer the call, come and follow me. A few years back, I ran across a deal called the, it's called The Call. And it's anonymous, so I don't know who originally wrote it. I've seen it around, and you may have heard it before, but I'm going to read it. And then we're going to pray. It says this, I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, or back away. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, applause, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith. Lean on his presence, walk by patience, fight by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, and my road is narrow. My companions are few, my guide is reliable, and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, lured away turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. He's called us. And part of the reason the world and this nation is in the state it is today is because too many of us have hesitated when he's called. This morning, if you're under the sound of my voice, 
Maybe in your life at some point there was a call that God gave you. There's something he spoke to you. It may be circumstances. Maybe you got wounded in some fashion because, like I said, sometimes you get resistance from those that are supposed to be encouragers. But don't let the call die. It's okay to go back and say, Lord, you called me to do this. And somehow along the way, I let that fall. Lord, I ask you to renew that call. I ask you to help me to stand up and to be what I'm supposed to be for your kingdom. The greatest thing I love about God is wherever we're at, however we get off course, he is more than capable to map out that straight line back to where we're supposed to be. Let's be a people of a calling. Let's say yes to him. I still think that there are things that God has called this church to be and to do. And no one of us can do it all by ourselves. We need each other. And we need to work together. We need to love one another. We need to encourage one another. We're not going to see everything eye to eye. But as long as we're following his direction, we'll end up in the same place. So I challenge you today, as I pray. Matter of fact, I'm going to go a step further. If you would, just bow your heads for just a moment. I want to know if there's anybody here. And if you're at home watching online and this is for you, then I would love for you to send us a message and let us know that this spoke to you. But is there anybody here that you'd say, you'd be honest enough to say, you know what, there's a calling that I've got or that I've had that I have not fully yielded to. And I want to pray that the Lord will help me step into what he's calling me to do. Would you raise your hand? It's you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm telling you, there is nothing like it. For those that perhaps you say, you know, I don't really know. I've, I've given my life to Christ, but I don't really know how I'm supposed to follow through. You know what? I'm telling you, if you will ask him to make the calling clear, that is the one prayer that he is willing to answer for sure. He's not going to say, come follow me and then not show you how to get there. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do come before you today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I thank you for the price that was paid. I thank you, Lord God, that you call us to salvation. Lord, I thank you that you call us to be a part of your kingdom and to walk in your footsteps and let you lead us and guide us. And Lord, I know that that, that we live in a world where there's so many things that come against us and so many things that try to derail us. And there's a very real enemy that wants to keep us intimidated and not follow through what you've called us to do. But Lord, I pray that you would just, Lord, quicken that call in us, that you would stir, Lord, as, as, you, as, as Paul said to Timothy, that you would help us to fan into flame the gift that is in us through the laying on of hands. Lord, at some point, Lord, you laid your hand on our lives. At some point, there are other people that laid their hands on our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would not walk in in timidity, that we would not uh, have this walk in fear, but Lord, that we would walk in your anointing and your power and be the children of God that you called us to be. 
Well, let us walk in the authority that we have. Let us be your children. Lord, I ask you to bless everyone. Let us follow through on the things. Let us answer the call. Let us move this church and your kingdom forward according to your will and your purpose. Lord, I ask you to be with every one of us. I ask you to, Lord, keep us safe and watch over us. But Lord, let us not be afraid to step out and do what you've called us to do, even during this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys so much for being a part today. God bless you. Um, There is the uh, offering box out on the counter and uh, you can give online or you can mail the P.O. Box 33, Rockwall 75032. God bless you and have a great, great holiday weekend.